Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. All right, let's dive in. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. One verse, and then I'll seat you, and then we'll get going. Paul says this in Romans 12, verse 1. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Can you all say living sacrifice? sacrifice. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual sacrifice. Worship. Can y'all say spiritual worship? He says when you offer yourselves unto God, you're doing it as spiritual worship. Let me pray for you. I'm going to give you my title in a moment. But let me pray for you, and then we're going to dive in. Father, in the name of Jesus, once more, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. We thank you, God for the beautiful time that we have had together in this tent. And we thank you, God, for this season that we have been in. We've seen lives changed. We've seen miracles happen. And we've seen you build your church here in the city of Vista through this body, this community of believers that have said, God, here I am. You can use me. And for that, we thank you. And now, God, as we listen into this final message in this series and in this tent, I pray that you open up every heart and every mind to receive what you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Clap your hands, everybody, and you may be seated. I just started listening to a brand new podcast. I am a podcast guy. Where are all my podcast people? You like listening to podcasts. Hey, by the way, this is, a, this is a commercial here. I started this podcast that's on our Lighthouse Church podcast channels. It's called Deeper. And all I do is there's more content that I like that, that, than, than time that I have to preach on a Sunday. So every Sunday that I preach, I'll go a little deeper during the week on a podcast. So follow us on Spotify or Apple, and you'll hear the deeper conversations that we are having. It's, it's beyond the Sundays, and typically it's about 12 minutes. It's just some jet fuel of stuff that complements the message. But... I'm a big podcast guy, and um, I started listening to this podcast, and the name of the podcast for the, the name of the, the um, episode, podcast episode was, uh, it, it was called For Better or Worse, For Better or Worse. Now, th- this is part of the traditional wedding vows. You guys know the traditional wedding vows? When two people are getting married, if they, they opt for the traditional wedding vows, the priest, the preacher, the pastor, whoever's officiating will typically include, do you take this man, do you take this woman for better or worse, right? In richer or poorer, in sickness and in health. Those are the traditional wedding vows, right? And I started thinking about the juxtaposition of those vows because we're talking about for better, right? We're talking about in health or we're talking about it. Sometimes the lady's really only here for richer. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. And then we go to the opposite end and we say, in sickness, when it's worse, or when we're broke is a joke. (laughs) It's like the the vows really talk about the highs of life, marriage, and family. And it talks about the lows of life, the lows of marriage, and the lows of family. And I think about what's happening in the room at that moment. Typically, the bride and the groom, they're not even hearing the lows, are they? They're like, no, 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 it's always going to be health. 
It's always going to be better, and it's always going to be richer. There ain't going to be no broke. There ain't going to be no sickness. There ain't going to be none of that. We, 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 we go into marriage, and we just think about nothing but the highs. Well, Lighthouse Church, I'm not here to burst your bubble. I'm not here to do that. But, but here's the truth about marriage, and here's the truth about your family. Far more of your marriage and far more of your family will not be spent on the highs or on the lows. Will actually be spent in the middle. In the middle. Because you're not always going to be on vacation. <laughs> and you're not always going to be sick. You're not always going to be getting a bonus and a raise every year. There'll be some years where the boss says, no raise, no bonus. Okay? But at the same time, you're not always going to be struggling financially. The majority of your marriage is going to be spent in the middle. Can you guys say the middle? middle. So I want to talk to you about the middle. And now let me hit you with my sermon title. My sermon title for today is in the middle of the mundane. In the middle of the mundane. Someone after church said, I didn't even know what that word mundane meant. So let me define it to you today. The word mundane simply means something that is lacking excitement or something that just feels dull. That's the mundane, something that feels dull, something that lacks excitement. So when you're on vacation, that's exciting, right? That's not mundane. But when you're fighting with your spouse, that's excitement for all the wrong reasons, right? That's like a different level. That's a different level of excitement. You know, I heard something the other day on a podcast that I was listening to. I get so much stuff on podcasts. I was listening. And you know how I've talked to you guys about how there's this, something called a runner's high. That's why we did a run club here at Lighthouse Church. Got you all high on running, high on life. Come on, somebody. But it's like, but like when you start exercising, you can get to a place where you start having an endorphin rush, right? I heard something last week that I did not know. I learned that the same endorphin rush that you feel from a runner's high, you can feel that same endorphin rush when you're going through stress. You ever wonder why some people are addicted to drama? The same high that you feel when you're running, they feel in stress. And I've seen people like this. Like they're, you ever heard anyone say, they're great under pressure. Why? Because the endorphins kick in and they're not used to feeling that. So they, they perform. But give them a job to manage, they can't do it. <laughs> they, they're always living in the crunch. They're always living in the drama. You do what you want with that little nugget, okay? I just left that out there for you all. But, but, but you know, we go, we go through life, marriage, and, and we think that it's all going to be good. And then when the lows hit us, sometimes we're like, this is never going to end. But, but the truth of the matter is you're going to spend most of your time in the middle. You're going to spend most of your time in the mundane. When you are standing at the altar that day on your wedding day, nobody warns you. That for the next 320 days out of the year, you want to know what you're going to be doing? Laundry, everybody. You're going to be doing a whole lot of laundry. Can I get a good amen, moms? Especially you with kids when you're like, I've washed for you three times this week. How are you out of clothes already? I think when my wife, my wife, when she first got married to me, um, you know, I'm, 
I'm one of those guys that's like multiple undergarments a day kind of guy, all right? That's just that's all I'll say. Okay, multiple undergarments, undershirt, whatever. You know what I mean? And my wife's like, how many pairs do you go through a day? I'm like, two, three. I don't know, just two, three. And, and, and that was all news to her. She was like, nobody ever told me. No one warned her about the laundry. No one warns the mom about the mundane of every single week having to do the laundry. You, all you thought about was the honeymoon. All you thought about was the vacation. All you thought about was Disneyland, Disney World, whatever it is that makes you happy. You thought it will be this for the rest of my life, and nobody told you, no, it's going to be mostly laundry. You're going to spend far more time doing laundry than you will be on vacation. Can I get a good amen, ladies in the house? Or dishes, right? Dishes are the same way. Nobody warns you. You're going to be doing as much dishes as you're doing, especially for Hispanics. <laughs> Why don't Hispanic people use the dishwasher? We just use it for pots and pans. White people, you don't know this, okay? But, but Hispanics, they don't use the dishwasher. They just every day doing the dish, every single day. I mean, that the dishwasher is not there for storage, but for Hispanics, they are. Anyway, moving on. Every day. Every day, dishes. Every day, laundry. What is that? That's the mundane. That's the mundane. You know what else is the mundane? Let me talk to some of the students here. The mundane is you kids having to get up and go to school every single day. This is my son Jaden's backpack. I jacked it this morning. He had no idea. But every day, having to get up and go to school. Every day, I have to get up and go to class. Every day, I have to get up and do the exact same thing. And is school fun most of the time? You can be honest, students. I lobbed one up for you. Is it fun? No. Not really. No. What, what is it? Mundane. I know some of you were like, should I say yes? Is this a trick? Will my dad be proud of me if I say yes? No, no. For some of you dads, and I'm, I'm, I'm using generalizations right now, but for some of you dads, you're having to get your, you're having to get your computer and get going and go to work. And you got to show up every single day. See, my laptop, here's my bag. I'm kind of like a big teenager. I got stickers, and I still use a backpack. Anyway, but, uh, but every day you get up, and you go to work, and it just kind of feels mundane sometimes. Right, dads? Yeah, man? Or, no? Y'all have the most fulfilling jobs in the world, and it's just me? You guys are out there changing the world every single day? Solving cancer? Solving the hunger problem? You're that significant? Okay, moving on. So sometimes it's just... It all feels so mundane. And we don't talk about this enough. And the reason we need to talk about this is every now and then I'm counseling someone and there's a wife who's getting ready to blow up her marriage because it's not fun. I'm just not having fun, Pastor. Just lost the excitement. It's just dishes and laundry all day. Oh, okay. So nobody told you about this? Like, nobody warned you about this? Like, did... Did, did you think there was a laundry fairy that was going to come and do that? And again, I'm speaking generally. There's a lot of guys here. Hold it down. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so for, thank you, Peter. I guess it's just me and you. <laughs> Peter's wife is in grad school. So that's when, the, that's when us dudes step up, right? And we start doing all that. You know, and, and sometimes I've seen men getting ready to blow up their marriage. And they want to leave for someone else. Younger. They're more exciting. The truth of the matter is, we all spend most of our time in the middle, in the mundane, in, 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 in the repetition that just feels like, am I making a difference? So for those of you that are taking notes, write this down. Okay, it's my first point for you. More of your life will be lived in the mundane 
then it will be in the momentous. Most of your life will be in the mundane. And, and I want to help you with this. I, I can't tell you how many times. See, when I was working at the previous company that I worked at, my boss said, I want you to be the one that's going to train all of these college students when they enter the workforce. You're great with the younger generation. He just said that because I was 30. So it's like, all right, no problem. And he was 60. So it was like, I'll connect with all the kids that are coming out of college. And these kids were bright coming out of college with, you know, graduate degrees. And they're graduating from UCSD and USD and USC and UCLA. I, I, I spent so much time mentoring these kids who are so bright. And, and then a year into the job, two years into the job, they'd be like, yeah, I think I want to I wanna quit and go work somewhere else. I'm like, why? You know, they thought that they'd be the vice president of the company in six months, you know? No one, no one ever told them about the mundane. No one ever warned them about, you're going to show up and it's going to start to feel repetitive. No one ever told them that you might sit at your desk questioning your existence <laughs> some days at work. Or is that just Pastor Josh? Have you ever been at work just kind of questioning your existence? Like, oh, what am I doing here? But, but I got some good news for you. You may not know this, but the Bible is packed with wisdom and counsel of what we can do in the middle of the mundane. Here's the first thing I want you to know. Did you know that Jesus chose the mundane? Write that down if you're taking notes. Jesus chose the mundane. How did he do that? Well, let me paint a picture for you, okay? We know that Jesus is God in the flesh. He, he, is, he is the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form. But let's talk about before Jesus. Let's, let's talk about God in creation. So, so the Lord creates the heavens and the earth. The Lord speaks and stars are formed. The, lo the, the Lord works miracles on demand, on command. He, he is able to do anything that he wants to do. And then... When he's done creating, he decides, I'm going to abide with mankind. And when he abides with mankind, he lets them see his glory by continuing to work miracles. Here are some of the things that he's done. When all of his people, Israel, were in slavery in Egypt, he sent 10 plagues to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Can you all say a miracle? And then when they were leaving Israel, he, he parts the Red Sea so that they can walk on dry ground. Not on mud, dry ground. Supernaturally, he doesn't just part the Red Sea, but he dries the ground simultaneously so they can walk on dry ground. When they were thirsty in the wilderness, God whispered to Moses, hey, hit that rock with your stick. And when Moses hit the rock with his stick, water begins to flow out. And then when they got hungry, he said, okay, I'm going to send bread every morning, direct delivery. I mean, before there was Amazon Prime, there was manna, okay, just showing up at their doorstep of their tent every morning, just magically, okay? And, and, and God was worried. He, what he would do was anytime Israel was about to be attacked by an army that was much greater than them, he would send an army of angels to fight on their behalf. I'm in the Old Testament, and I'm just telling you some of the things he used to do as God in heaven, okay? And, and he would raise up kings and kingdoms, and when he was done with them, he would dispose of them. This is who our God is. Do you want to know what the Old Testament says of our God? Uh, the Old Testament says our God is omnipotent. Do you know what omnipotent means? It means that he has all power. Come on, how many know that our God has all power? He is the omnipotent one. 
But it goes on to say that he is the omniscient one. What does omniscient mean? It means that he is all knowing. It's not just that he knows everything. He knows everything because he created everything. He is the omniscient one. And then the Bible says he's omnipresent, which means he is everywhere present. He is at all places at the same time. Listen to me, students. He's with you in your bedroom at night. Come on, somebody. So he is, he's, he's omnipresent. That's who our God is. But then 2,000 years ago, John writes this of him. First, it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And then John begins to give us a discourse on all the things that God did in creation. And then he gets to verse 14 and says this. And then the word was made flesh. And he dwelled among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory of the one begotten from the father. Full of grace and full of truth. Why am I telling you all of that? Because he left his heavenly throne to step into the mundane. He could have stayed up in heaven. And continued to orchestrate things the way that he wanted to orchestrate things. But instead, he comes, the Bible says, he, he wraps himself in flesh. He, he robes himself in flesh. And he's born in the middle of the mundane. You see, Jesus chose the mundane. And do you want to know what kind of family Jesus came into? Because most of you all, if you had the, op- the opportunity to do what he did, you would make sure that you were born into a rich family. I want a rich daddy. Rich mommy, I want a last name, you know, that has significance, like Rockefeller. You know what I mean? Like, I, I want a family like that, or, or nowadays, like, I, I want a last name like Bezos, you know, or, or Gates, or Hunt. You know, like, I want, I want to be born of that. Is that, what, is that what the Lord did? No, no, no. He, he chose Joseph and Mary, two very ordinary. Can you all say ordinary? He chose ordinary people. He, he could have chose a king. Or at least somebody with cash, right? He, he could have chosen noblemen, but he chose ordinary people. And he decided, I'm going to come into this ordinary world. Remember, he's the extraordinary God. He's, not the, he, he's the God of the natural because he is supernatural. And, and yet he comes into the natural because Jesus chose the mundane. And, 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 and Jesus chose ordinary people. And then I want you to get this. When it was time for Jesus to start announcing his arrival, when it was time for Jesus to start letting people know exactly who he was, where was his first miracle at? A wedding. Can you all say a wedding? A very ordinary place. It was just a wedding. And, and at a wedding, and who was the couple? Who knows? Bible doesn't, care, doesn't say who it is. There's no names listed. Just an ordinary wedding. They run out of wine. You see, the father-in-law was being cheap with his wedding budget for his daughter. <laughs> so they ran out of wine, and you can just imagine the hysteria. Now, they must have been like a sister friend of Mary because Mary, Jesus' mother, walks up to Jesus and is like, Hey, Jesus, son, listen, you know that I know, right? Like nobody else knows, but I know who you are. Remember, she knew that this was the Messiah. Nobody knew yet. He hadn't announced it. So Mary's looking at him like, hey, hey, Jesus, come here, come here, come here. Listen, you know that I know, right? Like, like no one else knows, but I know, okay? I, I know who you are. Could you do something about this water situation? And as a matter of fact, if you look at what happened, Jesus was like, no. No, I'm not going to do nothing about this water situation. He actually told his mom. He got real sassy with his mom. He said, woman, my time has not come. I don't recommend you ever talk to your mom like that, okay? <laughs> ever. 
any circumstance. I don't care how old you are, okay? But mama knew. She told the servants. She looked at him. She walked off. She's like, just do whatever he tells you to do. Like, she knew what was getting ready to happen. And here, at this very ordinary wedding, Jesus does what? He turns the water into wine. It's his very first miracle. And, and there's so many miracles in the Bible that I could point to where Jesus did something so incredible with something so ordinary. But I, I, I want you to, to know this. Your ordinary matters to God. Okay? If you're taking notes, write that down. Right? Your ordinary matters to God. He shows up at a wedding and does a miracle. He, he, he shows up and just works a miracle. Now, people had a problem with this. Like, people, when they saw Jesus start to work miracles, they had a problem. Do you want to know why people had a problem with Jesus? Because how could this man from an ordinary family do extraordinary things? Let me read to you a scripture. It's in Matthew chapter 13. This is after they saw Jesus doing these miracles. They said, hey, hold on a second. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Like, isn't his daddy just a carpenter, a modern-day construction worker? Like, like. Doesn't his dad hang drywall? You know, it's like, goes on. Isn't his mother's name Mary? Aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? And aren't his sisters right here among us? And here's the key right here. Where then did this man get all of these things? How does he have the ability to do this? He's an ordinary person with ordinary parents in an ordinary family, or so they thought. You see, Jesus chose the ordinary now i want to let you know about one other story of jesus and in this story of jesus you see him once again doing something extraordinary with something very ordinary so the bible tells us that one day as jesus is preaching and now crowds are starting to gather there's five thousand men plus their wives and children they counted very weird back then, okay? I don't know why they counted that way. They only counted the men. They didn't count women and children. But let, uh, my venture is there was over 10,000 people that day that were gathered when Jesus was teaching. So the Bible says that there were all these people who had gathered to hear, pe- hear Jesus teach. And Jesus, okay, he does something very ordinary. He looks out in the crowd and he asks his disciples, hey, what are we going to do if they get hungry? Very ordinary question, right? Like, what are we going to do if this crowd gets hungry? And I'm paraphrasing this. The disciples are like, we'll just send them home. Pollo Loco, Mickey D's, something. <laughs> but that's not our problem. And Jesus is like, I'm going to make it my problem. Again, very ordinary thing. This is part, part of the reason why I love Jesus so much, because he was concerned about lunch. That's my kind of guy. Some of y'all concerned about lunch right now and already tuned me out. Come back in. Come back. <laughs> You're like, I identify with Jesus. What's for lunch? Jesus is asking his disciples, how are we going to feed them? And they're like, send them away. I'm paraphrasing, but it's in the text. It says, send them away. And he's like, no, 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 no. I want you guys to go among the crowd and find me some food. I want you to go among the crowd and see who's got food. And and, and off go the disciples. The disciples are like, all right, guys, let's go find food. And what do they do? They find one little boy with his little sack lunch. I borrowed my son's lunchbox, okay? This is my son Jackson's lunch pail, okay? It's a very ordinary lunch pail. And could you imagine Peter coming back? Hey, Jesus, hmm. this is all we found. 
What's in it? Peter opens it up. We got some bread and we got some fish. How much? Not much. Jesus said, bring that over here. And what does Jesus start doing? He starts breaking the bread and he starts breaking the fish. He starts breaking the bread and he starts breaking the fish. And he begins to break it and break it and break it and break it. And before you know it, he has, he has made enough food to fill every single man, woman, child. But then the Bible goes on to say they had leftovers. That's why I think Jesus was Hispanic. You know, just I know he's Jewish, but like there was leftovers, you know. It's always leftovers at a Hispanic party. All the tias get the, the aluminum foil plates going home. Anyway, I'm, I'm totally dovetailing here. But there's so much food left over. I want you to get this. A little sack lunch. Little sack lunch. And you want to know where the miracle was? The miracle was in the mundane. The miracle was in the mundane. Let, let me explain it to you this way. We all know the story of how Jesus fed all these people. But do you want to know who doesn't get enough credit in this story? The boy's mom. The boy's mom does not get enough credit in this story. Because here's how I imagine this played out. That little boy's mom woke up that morning. She probably didn't get a good night's sleep because her other child is an infant. And she's had to wake up every three hours and make sure that the baby got milk. And that morning, that mom was probably feeling a little tired, probably feeling like I don't have the energy to get up and make lunch for my son and for my husband. But she got up anyway, and she made lunch for her husband, and she made lunch for her son. And she decides, I'm going to do something so mundane, right? Come on, how many of you parents have ever been there? It's like another day, another sandwich, right? (laughs) Put it in the kids, another day. And you know your kids complaining, I want to eat at the cafeteria. No, you're going to eat this, you know? All my friends have Lunchables. I don't care, it's prison food. You're having this, you know? It's like my wife, she she told me she was, prior to my wife's job, she had a substitution assignment. I don't know why I get these weird memories. She told me that one little girl showed up to school, and as she opened her lunch pail, her mom packed the chile relleno, a stuffed chili. (laughs) The girl's like, what? (laughs) She couldn't just make me a ham and cheese sandwich? Like, where do I warm this up? What am I supposed to do with this thing? (laughs) Mama must have been tired that night. But, but, But can you guys get the visual here? Mom wakes up, but she's committed to the mundane. The, the little task of making sure that her son had his sack lunch. And, and maybe the son wasn't happy, like fish and bread again. This is kind of like my kids when they're eating the same thing. Every, I'm like, shut up and eat it. And just kidding, that's not what it says. No, I, I pray over it. I bless them. <laughs> and she sends her son out the door with this little sack lunch. But if she doesn't do that thing, listen to me, Lighthouse Church, here's the point of it all. If she doesn't show up, there's no miracle. If she doesn't commit herself to the mundane, there's no miracle. I'm telling you, so many couples are blowing up their marriages because they won't commit to what's in the middle, and in the middle is where you spend most of your time. So many people are willing to blow up their marriage. And the problem with that is they go into their next marriage and they realize, oh, my God, it's the exact same thing. Oh. I mean, what happened to my young, well, she got older, like you, okay? 
And they, is it ever, is it a wonder why sometimes you see someone five, six, seven marriages in? Just why? Because they don't embrace the middle. But I'm here to tell you, Lighthouse Church, God will meet you in the middle. If you change your perspective of the middle, if you, if you change the way you view the middle, if you get a fresh lens on the middle, I'm coming to a close now. Can I tell you, this mom here, she's the real MVP, as Kevin Durant once said. Like, like, she's the real MVP of this story because if mom doesn't get up and, and show up for the middle, there's no miracle. And in the same way, if we don't show up, there's no miracle. Students, let me... You're, you're tired of school. Keep showing up. Yeah. There's a miracle in the middle. Dad, you're tired of, the, tired of going to work. Sometimes I was asking a dad the other day about what he did for work. He described it to me. I'm like, hey, man, that sounds interesting. So, eh, it pays the bills. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's, like, he's just done. It's like the excitement wore off a long time ago, okay? Pays my mortgage, my car, feeds the kids. We go on vacation once a year. I don't care, you know? But, but listen, if I could get you to change your perspective on the middle, Students, I need to get you to change your perspective on the middle. Husbands, I need you to get a change of perspective on the middle. Women, I need you to get a change of perspective on what's in the middle. Because the middle matters to God. You, when you keep showing up for your family, it matters to God. When you're tired but you show up anyway, it matters to God. When you don't feel like it and you do it anyway, it matters to God. Now, can I take you to a funny passage of Scripture? Where we meet the woman who was not like this mama. I got one more mama to introduce you to. I should have saved this message for Mother's Day. But anyway, I got, I got one more mama to introduce you to. And this is in the book of Matthew, chapter 20. Jesus says this thing. It's, it's, it's a bar. Jesus gives us this one-liner that's great. He says this. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Jesus is laying it down that the best thing you can do in life is to serve other people. Oh, but that's so mundane. The greatest among you chooses the mundane. The greatest among you chooses the ordinary. Jesus said this, but do you want to know what preceded this? Okay, let me explain it to you. Y'all going to love this, okay? You see, Jesus had these two disciples, and they were brothers, James and John. James and John were brothers, and they were grown men because they were fishermen. These were grown men. And one day their mama shows up. <laughs> this story's already taken off. One day the mama of these two grown men sees Jesus with the 12 disciples. Says, Jesus, excuse me, pardon me. Sorry, I know you're working miracles, but when you're done, can I have a little moment? Just a little, come on, a little moment with you. Jesus does what he's done. Probably opening up a blind eye, you know, and it's like, comes back over here. And this mama says, hey, thanks so much for allowing my sons to hang out with you. I think it's great what you're doing, you know, teaching them all this. I think it's great what you're doing with my son, it's James and John. But I, I had a request for you. Little request, Jesus. Just a little, little thing. It's not much. I promise. I won't take much of your time. She's a helicopter mom if you didn't already pick up on this, okay? The very first helicopter mom is recorded right here in the scriptures. She says, Jesus, listen. Is it okay if, you know, when, when you finally establish your kingdom because, you know, people are saying you're the Messiah, I think it's legit. Would it be possible for one of my sons to be at your right hand and my other son to be at your left hand, Jesus? I told you she was a helicopter mom. I'm telling you, this is in the Bible, everybody. You're like, no way. This is, yes, way. This is, 
she showed up asking for her grown men, sons, to have a position. These men couldn't even ask Jesus themselves. They had to send mama in there. And here comes mama wanting to make sure that her boys were someone special. Wanting to make sure that her boys were someone significant. Can they sit on your right hand and on your left hand? And then this is when Jesus delivers the message to her. If they want to be great, they better get used to serving. If they want to be great, they better take on the posture of a servant. You see, this world is obsessed with influence. Obsessed. It's the dark side of social media. Everybody thinks they're an influencer. Everybody wants to be an influencer. And Jesus said, your greatest influence will happen when you take on the posture of a servant. I I told the story at the 9 a.m. I'll do it here. Um, My wife and I, when we went on vacation, we were in Rome and we wanted to go see the Trevi Fountain. It's beautiful, picturesque. Don't go at 3 o'clock. It's crowded. Hundreds of people at the fountain. Trash cans are overflowing. You don't want to be there. So my wife, she had read on the blogosphere that the best thing to do is to show up at 6 a.m. So we got up at 4.30 so we can get done up and go to Trevi Fountain and take some pictures. We just wanted to have these nice pictures, these memories of the two of us. So there we were, me, my wife, about 50 wannabe influencers, all female, you know. We're trying to take our pictures, and there they are. You know, it's all like, I'm just me and my wife are like, good Lord. We just want to get a picture. And all these, you know, and they, they got their girlfriends there with them. anything to get the picture right (laughs) I'm not not making this stuff up 6am we were able to get our pictures but there were about 50 influencers there right And, and, and this world is concerned about influence and this mama was concerned about influence and Jesus said no 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 if you want to be great take on the posture of a servant if you want to be significant become a servant Why? Because the kingdom belongs to those who see ministry in the mundane. The kingdom belongs to those who see ministry. Y'all say ministry? Ministry. In the mundane. So let me tell you, mom, keep showing up for your kids. I know you're thinking, I'm just making lunch. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're showing up for your kid. That's what you're doing. You're being present for your child. That's what you're doing. Let me talk to the men, dads. If you ever felt like, man, this, this job, it's just the same thing over and over. No, no, no. You're showing up for your family. You're, you're showing up to provide for them. You're working hard for them. And Paul said, present yourself a living sacrifice. I had you guys repeat this. Why? And he said, and he said this is spiritual worship. The next time you go to do laundry, and for some of you it's this evening, Stop looking at it as the mundane. Start looking at it as spiritual worship. I get to serve my family in this way. And, and I, I've been there, y'all. I'm with you some days as you're just doing the mundane. It feels like, ah, it's just too much. But remember, you're doing it for God. You're doing it under the Lord. 
Serve your family in the middle of the mundane. Keep showing up in the middle of the mundane. Be present in the middle of the mundane. Don't, don't abort what God is doing in your family because the world is trying to sell you a false reality. They're giving you a lie called influence. Jesus said the ones that make the greatest influence are the ones who choose service. The ones who serve their spouse. They serve their children. They serve their family. Last verse, and I'm coming to close now. That same verse, can I read it to you in the message version now? Because I love the way it reads. Same verse, Romans 12.1. And I want, you to, I want you to hear how Paul breaks it down. Paul says this. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary. Can you all say ordinary? ordinary? He said take your ordinary life. He's not talking about the big stuff. He said your everyday ordinary. He's not talking about the vacation. He's not talking about the ministry, the platform. I'm anointed of God. Go home and clean your bedroom, okay? Do the ordinary stuff. Do the ordinary. And he says this, take your everyday ordinary life. You're sleeping. You're eating. Praise the Lord. You're going to work. You're walking around life. And this is what he says to do. Place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Just every day, the ordinary. If you embrace that, that is the best thing that you can do. So family, reframe your ordinary. Reframe your middle. Reframe your mundane. See that God is saying, I'll meet you in the middle if you do it for me. Let me pray for you right there where you're at. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray right now, Lord God. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.